Hi, I'm John Moore, director of The Omen. I'm Glenn Williamson, producer of The Omen. Dan Zimmerman, I'm the editor. So obviously there was a lot of controversy over this logo. Yes. There, there actually was. You remember we had yeah, a red we, one in the... In we wanted the... to make it red, which we did actually in some of the advertising. Still should have done it. <laughs> so, you know, it's obviously this cute little six device on the uh, titles by Picture Mill. Great cue here by Marco Beltrami. Really sets you up for the movie. You feel the sense of mystery and then also uh, the import of what's happening. This, uh, of course, was all shot in Prague. The title, actually, what we were making was The Omen 666. But, mm. You know, it was a title that was hard to move away from. We, we, yeah. We went back to the cleaner original title, but there was a lot of affection for that title. Right, right up until opening day, people weren't quite sure what to call it. Major coup getting me to do this. Unbelievable. Real fantasy come true. This whole sequence you're seeing here, it was actually... You actually invented this, Danny, really? Cause yeah, I mean, basically took the dailies and, and you know, kind of decided that the, uh, the best way to, to cut it is get the important images that you wanted to see, you know, on there and, and uh, just kind of hit it and camera guys did a great job with, with all this stuff. I, I barely used any sort of uh, avid techniques or anything uh, to make it work. It's pretty much all on camera. It's a great sequence. It really makes the titles go by and yeah, gives was, you a ton of information. It was never scripted. It was, uh, like I said, I, the first time I saw this was when you first cut it. I hadn't really been envisaging this as as part of a credit sequence, um, but it works so well. It just sets you, it sets this guy up, sets Fabretti up. You feel that it, this is his life's work. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's a rich texture that starts the film. Mm -hmm. It's really beautiful. Jonathan Sella shot the movie. He's phenomenal. Terrific cinematography. Really a very, a very good-looking film. Yeah, it surprises you almost every time you see it. There's yeah. something you didn't quite notice. This room is uh, in a place called Strahov Castle, just outside of Prague. Incredible-looking room. Incredible uh, Rococo ceiling. Dead ringer for the Vatican. Absolutely. David Seltzer. Look of it. John, notice that you took the sixes off. Yeah, I thought <laughs> there, there were three sixes on my name, but I thought, you know what? No, I'm not going to go there. Don't tempt fate. Again, this is in uh, the same building, which uh, we got really lucky. It really does look Vatican-esque. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, sleepless nights over what images to use here because... You know, obviously some of them are controversial, as you're about to see just now. I was sleepless nights trying to clear them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some people, rightly so, were quite sensitive about what, how to represent the evil in the world and, or the, the coming of evil. Was it important, John, for you to represent that a lot of this evil is man-made? Uh, oh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's mostly the point here is that the beast, the Antichrist, will be a, a man-made entity. 
And that most of the ills that befall us are man-made. The fact that this is the biggest deviation from the original, I mean, it for me, it just gave the movie an entirely new weight. Yeah, this was the point of, of the remake, really, was to give it context. Mm -hmm. This scene was never in the original movie. And uh, I think, absent this, there wouldn't be much point to doing it. I mean, it's a cracking story, but this really makes you feel like it's happening today. Exactly. Again, like you say, Danny, incredibly difficult to clear those images, to get permission to use them. It was, but you know what? Every single one was worth it because they're yeah. so powerful. You just, it, it immediately pulls you into the story. And if you're in a theater, it's hard to, to get up and go to the bathroom after this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great performances. Yeah. The Pope's famous actor. And uh, this, this interesting story here, this is the only part of the movie that is actually shot in Rome. And only that exterior shot was shot there. And we went through Rome at rush hour for real with these two motorbike cops. And it was the most insane ride of our lives. We were strapped to the back of a car just holding on for dear life. This was Leo's first day. Yeah, Schreiber's first day, an incredibly intense scene to kick off with. Again, two wonderful performers here, really working off each other beautifully. The child is dead. Tricky scene, there's a lot that has to happen here. Obviously, Leo's character has to be devastated by the news, and Giovanni's character has to spot the weakness so that he can suggest uh, the adoption. And it was it's a tough scene, you know? It's you ask yourself, if you put it this way, if you don't get swept up in the emotion, it never would have sold. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Just, you, we'd say, like, nah, come on, nobody's going to do that. Exactly. But Liev does such a good job. I remember, again, this was the first day, and we, we projected these dailies in the studios in Barandov, and honest to God, a lot of people had uh, roomy eyes after this. Mm -hmm. He's just so good, and you really feel it for him. Mm-hmm. He plays the whole, you know, the whole idea of the blows just keep on coming. Yeah. It's funny, I don't know how many times I've been asked about that handprint on the wall you see there on the left. Mm -hmm. People think it's of great significance, but uh, it's simply from a rehearsal previously where Lee had leaned up against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> he's so good. Yeah. Uh, Giovanni. Giovanni, just, he's simultaneously trying to be sympathetic, but he's creepy. At the yeah, he uses yeah. the personal space very well Yeah, when he moves in on, on him. Healthy in every way. We have this technique throughout the film whereby we try to use the color red uh, judiciously and, and, and uh, basically if, if something of great importance is occurring or a moment of great danger. It's always signaled by uh, red. I thought it was a cute idea because obviously the title of the film, the omen, an omen really is a warning. Mm -hmm. You know, an omen is actually a good thing mm -hmm. because it's somebody trying to warn you or it's an occurrence that tries to warn you of a coming problem or a coming evil. So we use red as the sort of harbinger of, of doom. Very intense close work here. Mm -hmm. Again, beautifully lit by Jonathan Sala. The scene was shot in an abandoned, uh, in fact, the whole hospital was set in an abandoned Soviet military town called Josephov, which was about an hour outside of Prague. Fascinating place. The entire town was, was built 
as a barracks really for troops. Yeah. And then it was just abandoned. So it was like having a big film studio. All this was shot there. Hi. Again, you see the red and the flowers. Used subtly, I hope. I hope it's not too obvious. Julia's first day. I remember we had to stop shooting because the bells were turning That's right, at 6 o'clock. That's right, at 6 o'clock. Yeah. It was actually quite spooky because they just wouldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> at first, we were like, oh, this is weird. And then it was like, we just okay, get, can we get on with it, Yeah, <laughs> we'd just get the baby settled and the bells would go and then the baby would cry. Julia does a great job here. I mean, she really sells her instant devotion to the child, and mm -hmm. of course, that comes as great relief to the Thorn character. He thinks now that it was all worth it. Just that that moment of doubt is completely erased. Yeah, interestingly enough, the last two scenes are really tight angles, real heavy close-ups. Mm. We had other coverage, but you know what? The power was in the close-ups. Definitely. Mm -hmm. This was all shot on uh, HD video. Again, it's a new scene. It's not. It's not in the original. Rather than just relying completely on the, uh, you know, four years later subtitles, exactly. we wanted to show that this is a very normal family, that the kid is just normal, and they're uh, they're a very happy family. Again, it's slightly differing from the original. We cast quite a bit younger, and quite keen to show that these people were very much in love, and had a very normal life. And the more, the more in love and more normal it was, the more tragic it is to see it get torn away. But uh, all of that was shot in video, again, just to make that feel like uh, they're just regular folk. That embassy sign, I remember <laughs> being a complete nightmare. Yeah, they wouldn't up. let us put the embassy oh, yeah. on the wall for some reason. You can use the, the b Bizarre oh, idiosyncrasies of the Czech locations. Oh, he's fine. Is my husband around? Yes, ma'am, he's expecting you. Quite beautiful ceiling that we featured. Yeah. Ah, Marshall Culp, Ambassador Stephen Haynes. <laughs> we barely knew you. <laughs> ah, we barely knew you. Yeah. Great guy, Marshall. Not really an actor, but uh, jumped on in there to help us out. Obviously, finding American cast in Prague is quite difficult. But Marshall effectively proving that there are no small roles. That's right. Ah. It's very good. I don't have to remember that the next time my watch gets stolen on a sailing trip. All right, I'm on book one. Well. Again, I think they, these guys do a great job here. Just communicating that they're in love and they're friends. You know, they're, they're a great couple, great on-screen couple. I remember Liev being a little antsy about that shot here because it reminded him so much of the Manchurian. Manchurian kind of uh -huh. yeah. He's like, you're going to have that flag right behind me. I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, my God. Robert! This was near the end of our shooting schedule. It was shot in mid-December, I think. Mm -hmm. It was very end. Freezing cold. I mean, the whole shoot was sort of deviled with weather. Oh, this is another little piece in Rome. We shot this completely without permission. We just hired the limousine and uh, planted it in the middle of the traffic just to sell Rome a little bit. But it was quite hilarious because the guy... We'd have one guy in a car who, ahead of it to create the traffic jam who pretended to be broken down. And he, it was so comically, it was, it was like bad acting. He got out of the car and he was acting as if his car had broken down, <laughs> much to the uh, annoyance of the local Romans. Ah, uh, Mako, Mako Hindi, who any of you who have bothered to see my other two films will know uh, he's principal stand-in that I've used in all my movies, but I always find a small part for him. He played Newman in Flay the Phoenix and he also 
He's in the credit sequence of Behind Enemy Lines. Fantastic guy, great performer. Again, this is different from the original. We were keen to see the hand of the devil at play early on in the movie. So we set up the execution of Ambassador Haynes. We also had, like, Leo was such, so much younger than yeah, the exactly. Peck character. You needed to kind of see how he got into the job yeah. and the circumstances. It's a cute little idea here. Obviously, it just rolls over to 666 right before his doom. This was our first day shooting, actually. First day shooting. Which was fun, you know. It's great to start with something this big. and Big stunt. Big explosion, yeah. get people revved up. A lot bigger explosion than, than we'd planned, I gotta tell you. You <laughs> could work. feel it. Oh God, yeah, those, those, those cameras, that's not us shaking the cameras, put it that way. I love this shot, it's particularly beautiful. It's great, yeah, it's great second unit work on this. Vlado, Vlad the inserter, as we call him. Looks like a car commercial. This was shot much, much later. Those two shots are six months apart, nearly. Mm -hmm. Shot that in Matera. Shot that in, in Italy, yeah, in southern Italy. This is a Czech location called Lednica, which in the, it's an old castle owned by the Liechtenstein family, I believe, like which we use for quite a lot of locations. It's big. Patrick on the production designer make it look smaller than it was. Yes, it was massive. just a massive place. And actually, it was uh, Liev and Julia came up with this dialogue here about it being big, which I thought was quite cute. Mm -hmm. What's that mean? Originally, this shot was a very long steady cam shot that brought them from the car all the way through the hallway to this point, but I just thought. Uh, or rather, Danny thought. <laughs> Enough of that. Let's well, get to the meat. Sometimes you just got to get to the heart of it. Yeah. Sorry. This is another scene that demonstrates, you know, that they're a normal couple. They sometimes don't say the right things all the yeah. time, and but they're in love enough to support each other still, and you feel the love. It's great. Great. If you notice the body language there, Liev's hand moving. It's 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 actually a very fine piece of acting. Because yeah. he's, he's telegraphing his unease and why he thinks he's gotten the, the promotion. He really is a terrifically complex actor. He does so much. You know, he just pulls you right into the part. You never feel his acting. You know? No, you he's don't. Always very, very real. And so consistent. It's a yeah. piece of cake to cut him. I mean, he's... He won't let anything go. The slightest little thing, he'll chase it down until it's right. It is big. A little bit. When we were shooting this, he was talking about how this is a companion piece to the later scene when they're interviewing uh, nannies, how, you know, at one point she's bringing him up and supporting mm. him, and in this scene, you know, or later scene, you know, he's bringing her up. Yeah. Now, this scene here, very interesting, started life as a dream sequence. Scary dream sequence. A scary dream sequence. But we found out as we were cutting the movie that you know, you need function before you can have dysfunction. So, again, it's an attempt to just show Julia's character as, as being, as you would, you know, a very concerned mother. I mean, most mothers have had this moment where, the, you know, whether it's in a shopping mall or wherever, where the kid goes missing. But what makes this very spooky is, obviously, it's a wide-open space. Damien! 
Interesting enough, this is uh, was shot in Prague. Yeah, this shot is all Prague in all December, and then we and cut then to... Now we're in Dublin. In Dublin, four months later. <laughs> this was like two days before St. Paddy's Day, right? Yeah, yeah right, it was, it was uh, March 15th, that's right. You look right. closely, there's a little hail and... Yeah, we had bizarre, biblically bad weather. Damien! She did a great job here, mm-hmm. showing the change of emotion, because, of course... Like I said, most mothers have had this moment, and once the worry goes away, you want to smack yeah. him because he, he gives her such a fright, and she did such a good job here. She does here, and, you know, I think one of the really nice things about this version is you really get into her psychology between this sequence and then yeah. later dream sequences and just how she approached the part. Mm-hmm. She, she brought a lot. I remember having a conversation with me saying she just had a horrible nightmare. She was having difficulty sleeping. Yeah, Julie got very involved in it. The other thing that, that that scene effectively did, it kind of starts turning the screws. It makes you a little uneasy mm-hmm. for some reason. Yeah, it's um, not necessarily scary. It just is starting to... It's just something weird about it. It sets you up for uh, the trauma that's about to come. Mm-hmm. One. World's largest birthday cake. Yes. <laughs> I, was, I was expecting somebody to jump out of it. Here's an introduction to one of the world's greatest actors, David Thewlis. Just played it with such sort of loping outsider intelligence mm-hmm. that he brings. He's got such wonderful nonchalance, which is essential for the part because, you know, Jennings is a, essentially a cynic who's forced to believe the unbelievable. Right. And David just downplays it so effectively. A real pleasure to work with. It really was. Get another actor that just loves to give it to you. Yes. He would always say to me, well, if I would ask him for another take, he would always say, you can have as many as you like. You know, yeah. he, he's yeah. just, he he's just gives and gives and gives. Ah, now, the story of this dog, again, different from the original movie because uh, the original movie, as most people would remember, had a Rottweiler. But funnily enough, in the original script, it is described as a black German shepherd, which is what this this guy here is. I just love how angular his face is, you know, the, and the pointy, the pointy ears, ears and the long dog. snout. Yeah, beautiful and menacing, great eyes. Complex little scene here, incredible stunt. Uh, we had to get up on the roof. And all credit to Amy Hook, who played the nanny. for she, That's Amy standing right there, she seven really stories well. up. Yeah. See another great intuition to grab his camera. Yeah, yeah, he's playing it, you know, like Just, a journalist. Exactly. And there, that's a real stunt. That's a stunt lady jumping, slamming against the wall. That was an amazing moment on yeah. the set. Yeah, like, well, it was very creepy because yeah. there was nothing to differ that from reality. Yeah. It, it, it is exactly like watching somebody the commit screamer, suicide. Great scream. Great scream, yeah. great pair of lungs. She fried her voice on that one. Mm-hmm. For that first take when the stunt woman jumped, mm. it, everyone was almost breathless until well, yeah, we you know, were waiting for the thumbs up, yeah, and, and thumbs up. Because obviously she's playing dead, and it's quite spooky. The amazing thing is, this first time I saw it in dailies, when I got it into the cutting room, I saw the first take, and then saw the next five after it, and I was like, "What did she really like doing that?" <laughs> <laughs>
another It's moment. funny the things you end up using. We just grab that sunrise from the back of the camera truck. Absolutely. Yeah. And it makes such an effective dissolve. Yeah, sometimes you shoot a million feet and yeah, look for, for frames. Nice little piece of matte work here. Um, Matt jo no, pun intended, Matt Johnson, visual effects supervisor, painted in uh, the Houses of Parliament and the London Eye because this, of course, is all Prague. And for all you aficionados of the original movie, you'll get a kick out of this because the gentleman you're about to see just now, here, that's Harvey Stevens, who played the original Damien in the 1976 movie. Tried to get him as much as possible. He's there again. On yeah. The right. He's got there, he is him. there he is again. I think he had fun that day. Let's yeah. Do it. it must have been weird, you know, when you think of it, revisiting something. Yeah. That he he really doesn't remember that well because he was he was obviously so just five six years old. He hadn't old. done any acting. No, since then. no, no really. I think he's in the had a real estate or a limo business or something. It's worth mentioning here that those of you who have invested in your home entertainment systems is incre incredible sound design work in this movie, and some beautiful work. I mean, even the ADR and making that crowd sound bigger than it really was. Great work by uh, Jim Brookshire and our supervising sound editor, Jay Wilkinson. Yeah, throughout the whole movie, I mean, this, the sound in this movie is, is unlike I've, one I've ever done before. And uh, it, it is, it's the, the subtle nuances of a scene where you're hearing things that aren't supposed to be there and always asking questions, it's great. Yeah, it really, really rewards. Like I said, if you've spent some money on your home system, this really is a good movie to crank it out on. Want me to handle this? No. No, I got this. Reggie Austin flew in from L.A. Yeah, Reggie <laughs> did a great job. Again, there are no small roles. Father Brennan. Pete Postlewaite. Pete Postlewaite. Phenomenal Truly a force there. of nature. Steven Spielberg described him as the best actor in the world. Not one of, but the best actor in the world. Hard to argue with it. He's a force of nature. He does such a fantastic job here. And it so easily could have been over the top, but what Pete managed to do, which just blew me away in the day, was evoke so much sympathy for Brennan. Mm -hmm. You really feel this man's terror. He's afraid. Every Look, you can see he's shaking, he's trembling. He's trying to be reasonable, trying to get his point across. It's a terrific piece of acting. And all credit to Liev. Yeah. It, this was like a, a great Wimbledon match. Mm -hmm. You know, they just... Yeah, the two of them matched each other back and forth perfectly. Look at uh, his body language. Again, exactly. The body language from, from Liev. He's a terrific crafting actor, you know? Every little head nod. Wonderful, wonderful work. Again, you can see the tremble. You can feel the fear. Yeah. Great performance. The crew were really riveted by this scene. Always a good sign because they're your first audience, really. Absolutely. Now, again, you'll see Liev look around. Again, great craft, great body language. Good and he presence. gets in closer. And then, and then just that little exhale telegraphs that this guy's getting to the edge of his patience. Mm -hmm. The birth. These two guys really give a master class in, in, in performance. What do you want? Just the fact that he's standing there, he's uncomfortable about what he's hearing, but mm. he can't do anything about it. He has to hear He more. has to hear it. And again, I keep saying about Leah's body language, but you'll notice later here when he's, uh, he mentions, Pete mentions that he saw the mother 
And just that little the way Liev breaks eye contact, you know, again, telegraphs so beautifully that he knows he's on thin ice here. Mm-hmm. Mr. Thorne, it's mother. Okay, that's enough. Sergeant, his mother is a jackal. And again, you know, we're very deliberate. You know, I think half the audience heard that he said the mother is a jackal. The other half aren't quite sure what they heard. Mm-hmm. And again, Liev does a great job because you're not quite sure that he fully heard or understood it. And right. Until later on in the movie. It is the only way, Mr. Thor. That ADR line really helped right there. Mm. Just get the last moment of, I can't believe just what happened. Great performing. He, 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 you know, most actors, you'd say, well, what? I'm just walking from A to B. But what Pete does is, is demonstrate complete defeat. Just literally in the way he stumbles and walks. He, he, he telegraphs it so well. How's the nanny search coming? This is the companion scene that you re- mm-hmm. referenced earlier, mm-hmm. Glenn. Where Just a different, you know, the, one of them's always there for the other one. Yeah. This is a tougher scene than it looks uh, for Julia because, of course, she has to show us that the nanny suicide has had an ongoing effect on their relationship, that there's, there's tension in their family and their lives now where there never was before. Which is, it's very human, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. like when there's a death in the family or whatever, so, you know, it can, it can really destroy the fabric of a relationship. And it's, you'd see, you see them start to unravel here. And again, a man is never going to say the right thing to a woman, especially after a day of work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sorry you had a bad day. Yeah, it, was, it is a very hard scene because she has to express her frustration without coming off like, like, yeah. Well, you, yeah, like a bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, you you, yeah. you you have to maintain sympathy for Kathy all the way through. Yeah. And and she does this wonderfully. You never think that she's just this, you know, rich bitch. Yeah. You know, irritated with her kid, red wine and Prozac type. <laughs> she she really she keeps your sympathy. Now, again, great idea from Liev here. This was all his work. The idea that he's about to tell her. I again differs very much from the original. I think that it's smart. I mean, if if yeah. Brennan had walked into your life, you would think, you know what, maybe it is time to, to, to come out with the truth now. But as usual, that you know, the hand of, of the devil's never far away. And, yes, and here, yeah, she is. there she is. It just seems great to watch with an audience because when yeah. she comes on screen, Such you affection. can just feel the electrophone. You know, people yeah. just have pleasure in the audience because it's Mia. Still to this day, still to this day, I can't believe that we got her in this movie. When Jay Wilkinson told me that Mia Farrow was in the movie, I was shocked, and he said, yeah, John just cold called her and said, do you want to be in the open? Yeah, I mean, Mia was working with Julie in, in New York, and I just took a shot in the dark and called her up. And to my amazement and our internal uh, gratitude, she said, yes, she's so good. She's made this, like, within 20 seconds in, the part is, she makes the role all her own. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Played it very differently than, than, than Billy Whitelaw and made it her own. She's like Mary Poppins with a, with a chainsaw and come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With all the girls they send out, this isn't the first time. Here it is, I sometimes bring an extra copy. And again, Mia, Mia was just such a terrific performer. It's all, there are all the tiny little nuances. The body language, the, just, just everything, the way she throws her eye line around. She's actually so much beguiling. shorter than we shot because what she did was so effective. Yes. Like we didn't need everything. Yeah. And responsible substitute. 
Amazing the way she just suckers the pair of them straight away oh, just with that Lord. smile and the eye contact and a tiny little tell there a little poker tell yeah just towards the end because she's she's so keen to see what is essentially her master and there look she just looks totally enraptured wonderful work wonderful work yeah beautiful set by patrick Lum. Yeah, yeah fantastic really nice job. Uh, first Those time i saw it I, I i immediately noticed that the uh, wallpaper for the for the people that are going to be listening to this are all sixes. I didn't get that until you pointed that out Isn't to me. And I'm like, I'm, I Remember must be some schmuck. Remember John, how much we struggled? Yeah. Uh, I'm here to protect you. We just didn't know if it was too on the nose or... But 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 it's testimony to how good a job Mia does that she can deliver a line like this without sort of giving the whole game away. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Beautiful red here. Oh, yeah. Again, the red features strongly in the film. Every time there's... You're trying to be told something, you know? Just another beautiful set by Patrick and Patty. Yeah. Uh, set decorator, really beautiful. And here's testimony to how good Teulis is, you know, an actor. Actors who can play a scene on their own and give you all the information you need. But literally, it's just from tiny little, you know, like a, cre a, you know, a look of worry in the forehead or whatever. It's... It's not as easy as it looks to act on your own yeah. and to give... Especially without saying a word. Yeah, he's exactly. You know, and even here, and not again, one he's, word spoken. But he's just got this sort of, like I think, it's like this loping intellect, this mm -hmm. casual sort of outsider being pulled in feel that David does. I mean, there you go. You know, you'll watch here, just literally, does it, he, he exhales, and that's... That's perfect. It's more than enough mm -hmm. to just say, right, we're at the start of something wrong here. Ah, uh, the infamous fall set. Yes. Uh, this is a three-story set that we built on the stages in Prague, um, which was used later on for Kathy's fall. Great pattern, great uh, cubist sort of 3D patterning on the floor. Um, this is a great dynamic, too. Well, it sets up the sort of the, you know, Mia's, uh, it's, it's sort of symbolic of her, Baylock's rise to dominance over Kathy. This was Mia's last day. This too. was Mia's last day. It was actually quite emotional. I yeah. didn't want her to leave. I know. But the story of the set's quite interesting. The soundstage in Barandoff really wasn't tall enough, and we thought we were screwed that we'd have to find this or build it in a an additional uh, location. But then we realized that uh, Barandoff's stages are built with a, with a basement. So we basically rip up the floor and created the third story by going down. A uh, very impressive set to be on. Yeah, it was. Good old Seamus Davy Fitzpatrick does a great job here. Yep. Ended up being called The Look. Yeah. Seamus, just give me the look. Just give me the look. There it is. You should talk about George Little, the costume ah, designer. Ah, yeah, exactly. He did, yeah. did such good work. And sort of Terrific. He, he has this sort of wonderful uh, sort of Jackie Kennedy look going on on Julia yeah, here. She looks so pretty in this scene. Yeah, she really does look beautiful. <laughs> Shooting it was funny because there were these violent scenes, and then you would say cut, and then, you know, she'd be the smiling, beautiful yeah, Julia Styles. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Good cutting here, Danny, the, the sort of the flash frames. Unconventional, but it, it helps you get inside the sort of confused mind because obviously Damien doesn't know what he is yet. But he knows uh, he knows he doesn't like this. One time I watched that, I, I wondered if you were 
putting in premonitions of the final sequence because it's a lot of images from the final right, church. Right, there is. There is. Actually, uh, I would say yes because that's a great answer, but honestly, it's just because that's the only crosses that we had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Powerful stuff here. The look, the look between uh, you, between Seamus, James and Julia, her, and she, her movement right here. Yeah, the, yeah. Looks back, looks, at her back, right looks there, down, oh, looks man. up, and look at that. Look at that look. And then she looks at him for, for She's, what? I don't know. She's looking like, did this really happen? Yeah. Like, okay. uh, explain this to me. This is really the beginning of of the unraveling of Kathy, where she starts to question things. And Julia played it. I think brilliantly because it's so like she, you end up having such sympathy for her because she's putting it on herself you know she's, yeah. she's thinking that like which she says later you know am I a terrible person for thinking these things which is definitely something that I love about this uh, this this remake because in fact actually the original all this dialogue was reversed yeah yeah uh, and uh, Lee Remick was the one sort of in defense of everything and yeah this, is, this plays much more naturally you yeah. know other kids get colds, uh, runny noses, the flu. But Damien, nothing. Not once. This has been one of my favorite scenes, even on the day we shot it. Yeah. Like, it's so naturalistic. And yeah. It's exactly the tone of the movie, like a realism. A beautiful set, too. Yeah. It's we call this our Kubrick set because we wanted everything to be white. Beautiful, sort of. Um, it's kind of. It's sort of. Uh, say it's supposed to be the safe place in the house. That's why we we made it white. Which is actually great because it leads into the nightmare sequences, which are pure white as well mm -hmm. in the bathroom. So well that you actually feel kind of secure going in, and then when the things happen, it scares the crap out of you. Yeah, it really does. It's a popcorn dropper. I'm gonna go to bed. John, you want to talk at all about the video images in the background? Yeah, again, this, uh, for those of you who can spot this kind of thing, there's constantly negative imagery playing every time you see a television monitor. Kind of re reflects the world we're living in right now, unfortunately. Okay, so this was the first of the controversial uh, <laughs> nightmare sequences that uh, ended up being so very, very effective in the movie. Again, breaking a cinema convention there by looking straight into the camera. But it looks so well and gives gives such a... It's always fun watching that with an audience. Yeah. Yep, especially uh, Jay Wilkinson hitting it for you one yeah, time like there. Yeah, brilliant sound work, brilliant sound design. Again, those of you who have a, a decent system at home, it's really worth listening to closely. Every footstep, every light switch, everything, it's wonderfully crafted especially in here uh jay really wanted to give yeah because it's, it's, it's damien's domain yeah, damien's so room it's got this hollowy sort of wind through the fireplace kind of sound it's fantastic really effective really makes you in a different headspace when you're in this room Again, Liev, very good. His idea was that, of course, you find out later that the sixes are planted in, in Damien's skull. So he said, well, look, as soon as I go to touch the kid and come anywhere near his hairline, that should be when the dog moves in, which actually makes a, 
Makes great sense. We had to keep this dog on a wire. This dog was absolutely crazy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> he ain't acting. This is the master of the house. Mia just plays this delightfully. She deliberately wrong-foots him every time. She plays it. And look, she's excited. We found him outside. Isn't it great? This is, I think, the funniest scene in the yeah, movie. Yeah, it really is. It gets a great reaction. I love the fact time. that she asked him if she scared him. Yeah, that's not the point. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is the point, of course. Long trips away. A lot of fun working with, with, with actors of this, At this level. ability. Yeah. And if we need a dog, I'll pick one out myself. Thank you. Nice to stay wide here. It sets up their oncoming enmity. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow morning, you'll call the RSPCA and have him removed. There's a line that you guys cut out where I think she was a little bit more apologetic, where you wanted to keep the tension between them. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think worked really well. And then she just caps it off by saying goodnight. Just sort of gets Dog, it, put it, puts it back in the box. Exactly. She was a little apprehensive with that Rottweiler, wasn't yeah. she? Oh, I wouldn't blame her. <laughs> of course, that was the, the nice one. You could... Wouldn't bite your arm off at any given moment. This yeah, we'd, we'd three or four dogs and we graded them by their level of insanity. <laughs> this is a great shot. This is one of my favorite shots in the movie. I, I wish I could have stayed on it for another 10 seconds because I just love looking at her face. Yeah. Well, she's crossed over, you yeah. know? Yeah. She gives you so much with just one look. Uh, good work by Patrick Lum here. Built this entire. We couldn't, we just couldn't find a zoo that this was doable in. So Patrick created Monkey World. I know the two of you were there. Did a good job on the second unit crew just picking up all the monkey stuff. Mm -hmm. Really, I mean, tons of footage on the monkeys. I hope they're okay. But it, they all paid off. Yeah, they're fine. This was your idea coming up here, Glenn, on the day you said to me, look, why don't we have them say they're afraid? You remember this? Yeah, I do. I do because you it could was, just, it just it felt genius. like it. Uh, he needed to say something. And again, a, a big departure from the original movie where he, I don't think he says two words. I mean, he, he barely says anything in this movie, but the way he does this is just. Uh, I remember on the day it was, we we knew we'd gotten yeah, it right. Yeah, you you said that's going to be in the trailer, yeah. and you were right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect little moment. He's starting to understand that he has power. He's not quite... And what, what I love about it is when he says they're afraid, it's like, okay, now the other kids, the monkeys, or what? And she's just like, I'm getting out of here. We're yeah. getting out of here. Let's go see the birds. <laughs> Danny, this was really great editing. They did... They, they, I'm telling you, man, it was a really great sequence to, to cut because it's, it's very fun. I remember... Watching the documentary on um, on the original woman and Stuart Paris saying that he had to re go reshoot a bunch of monkey stuff, and I was just glad I didn't have to because uh, they totally got it for me. It was great. This scene, I remember, didn't quite. <laughs> the inspiration for this, we were uh, scouting a zoo in Budapest, and this happened to me for real. The gorilla charged at the glass, scared the crap out of me, and I thought, wow, that's great if we can do that. Obviously, we couldn't get real gorillas to do it, but uh, it fell somewhat short on the day when they when they rammed up against the glass. It just wasn't as scary. But 
what we did was break the glass uh, using computer graphics, and I think that really, that's what put it over. Yeah, it really did. You know, the, the threat that they were going to actually break out of there. This is my actual favorite scene in the movie. I think the you really f feel that these people are being torn apart now. This is one of the best questions asked because he asks how Damien is. Yeah, and, and the luck like, she gives him. It's like, talk me? about the wrong question. Exactly. And then he knows it. He knows he's in trouble. She's sort of, we kind of broke her here. I mean, she's just... She's, uh, your heart just breaks for mm -hmm. her. You just feel for her. It's great. Wonderful lighting again, seeing that. Yeah, it's, it's really Seeing the rain, it's kind of like seeing her tears run down the wall. I remember when you first talked about your approach to the zoo scene, about really about showing, like, she's just really psychologically seeing where everything's going. And yeah. It just really hits her. You always talked about that happening in that scene. And right. I think it works really well. And, 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 and here's the fallout. Yeah, the movie sort of really kicks into another gear from here on. It really starts to go down the sort of ever-narrowing, inevitable doom uh, sort of journey. Leah has always talked about his characters just in denial for so long, mm. and she's just looking for help and barely getting it. Yeah, and again, nice, great body language craft here. Yeah. He's trying his best to console her, and she's saying, I need to talk to someone. Clearly that someone isn't you, because earlier on in the kitchen scene, she did try and reach out to him, mm -hmm. only to be sort of poo-pooed. You can see right there, see the way Liev's hand drops? This is starting the signal now that these people truly are in trouble. Mm -hmm. Their relationship is going south big time. in the National Museum in progress. Yes, we had a little fun with this, obviously, with the beheading and uh, the idea of beautiful, beautiful museum in Prague. Yeah, National it looks museum. a great-looking place. It's kind but, of the way Prague was, though. You really couldn't take a... Even just tourism, you, couldn't, you can't take a bad picture there. Yeah. I don't know what it is about the light, but it, it's phenomenal. Tomorrow, Mr. Tom, one o'clock, Bishop's Park. Another great performance by Pete. Stronger than he was in the embassy because he's really got to get this guy's attention. It's not a debate, it's a, it's a one-way thing. Remember, Julia was originally in the scene and when we were working on the dream sequence, That's right, yeah. we, we decided to, that she'll be at home. And um, much to George Little, costume designer's chagrin. Yes, she did. You know, or relief. Uh, relief. We'll never really yeah. know. Great sound effects there. Really get you in the mood for what's coming up. This is terrific sound work here. Just phenomenal. And the, the sound of the water and the drain, it's incredible. The set is beautiful. It's just beautiful, beautifully white. It's perfect. And again, it, it was more effective than I ever thought it would be. Me too. I mean, it's so stylized, but we hadn't established the bathroom, so it feels it's on the border between real and a dream. Exactly. If we pushed it too far, I think, because obviously it's a weird design, but but you might think, well, you know, it's a bathroom. It's white. 
they're rich. They could have They're rich, yeah. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> Big and shocker. Great sound work. That's Mako. Is that is, yeah, the guy who played the uh, driver in the limousine at the start of the movie. That's him in the devil costume. He's a dancer by profession, so just his ability to move is, is second to none. This that, is a lot of fun. That bedroom, just have to say, is so beautiful. That it's, yeah. It's just the way it's lit and looks. More great sound here. Okay, exactly. Uh, you, you read my mind. It's just, the, it makes it, makes it or breaks it. The clock. There's a all, clock. All the old-fashioned stuff works beautifully. Yep. This is so, this was such fun. It was like, it's actually just so simple. You know, it's one shot. We pan over. He's not there. We pan back, and, <laughs> and there he there is. He is. But the, it gets the, a great reaction in, in, in a packed theatre. I think this is the moment where, as, as one critic said to me, actually, I'd, I hadn't really thought of it like this. He said, well, clearly, and it makes sense when you think about it, this is the moment where Damien has decided, I don't need you anymore. Yeah, exactly. Just by, by, by virtue of the fact that he's feeding himself, he's taking care of himself, mm-hmm. he's discarding her now. She's of no more use to him. Actually, interesting. I never thought about that either. But he plays it when he just walks right by her with yeah. that sandwich. It's She's just not even crystal there. clear. Yeah. I'm just taking my sandwich up to my room. Yeah, you got anything to say about it? <laughs> <laughs> I just love this dynamic. She's afraid of him. She's afraid of her own six-year-old. Does again great, great craft of acting towards the end. Just as he goes by her, you'll see. Just here, watch the body language here as she. Sort of tries to protect herself a she little. She tightens up a little. She bit. tightens it exactly. She pulls up. the robe closer. Just fear. Great craft. This is a great shot coming up. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I remember on the day asking the poor prop team. That I yeah. said, "Look, I'm gonna. I need. I think they had seven or eight of these photographs. And obviously, I needed seventy or eighty. They were scrambling that day. Yes. They made it work. Frantic photocopying. Uh, this is one of the, I think, the better visual scenes in the. It's beautiful. Movie. beautiful. Very old-fashioned, very uh, third man. This is uh, underneath the St. Charles Bridge, actually, yeah. in Prague. One Water. of the, of course, looks completely deserted. But we couldn't control this street on the day, and so we had to break the setup every five or ten minutes to let uh, tours of Japanese tourists and delivery trucks through. So it's, uh, it was quite an achievement that we actually got this scene. That was one of our harder days, I must oh, say. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> well, we literally lay down, you know, dolly track and have to pull it up. But we're also creating through. the rain, creating the creating, fog. Yeah. It was all... Creating the lightning. Morning. Another good job, actually, by the sound crew. Chris Carpenter and Andy Coyman, sound mixers on the movie. Um, it was so tough to get this dialogue clean. Um, yeah, because of the noisy, of noisy the rain, rain effects. And, and uh, they did a great job to be able to salvage a lot of what, what is the original recorded dialogue how the child must die what child i'll say it again it's like a great match at wimbledon watching these two guys go at it your son is the poet son of the devil i'm so uh, astonished sometimes by how effective the little things can be just the way they pause, they take their moments there. Look, that just that tiny little look from Liev. Brilliant. He's brilliant at body language. And the way Pete's eyes are almost bursting out of his head. Mm-hmm. He's so keen, he's so 
desperate to tell this man the real story. And he's, again, that sympathy that he imbues in you. I've had enough. Yeah, this is my favorite shot here, the walk away. Yeah, it's wonderful. Very old-fashioned, very old-fashioned stack-up framing. Again, the red in the background. Red in the background. Something almost looks fake about it, you know, this, the clock on the street. It looks like an old British black-and-white movie from the 40s or something. Uh -huh. I, I, it didn't really feel that way until we lightened it up Yeah. to the very end. This is another great shot coming up here, right oh, after yeah. this is big close-up, side angle of Pete. Oh, great work by George, little costume yeah. designer there. There's that classic Mac and umbrella. Yep. It's, it's, it's strikingly simple and effective. Great, there you go, the woman in red, the real warning now that Now this was all screwed. sound, this yeah. was all Jay Beautiful work. We decided to dump music here. Yeah, we didn't want to score this, we wanted to the weather to score the scene basically yeah he's just getting petrified because in the original if you remember the the storm wasn't there and then the storm came and scared him we actually had a little bit of a storm happening so we had to we really ramp had to up, ramp yeah. it up yeah well it's much bigger scale as well this wasn't easy i mean it looks easy on a rainy day but trying to cover that in vast set with uh, special effects was anything but easy this was insane. This was a mad, crazy dash to get these words, just losing the light. This but is now in Kutna Hora, right? This is Kutna Hora, outside of Prague, yeah. Real church. Crazy. We only got one take of this with two cameras. Because, and That's this as well. That's a real church. It's a real church, folks. Again, it's got that almost great fake feeling to it. Yeah, it really does. It's Unbelievable performance by Pete here. I mean, physically, this, you know, even for a extremely younger actor that physically is is very demanding and, and Pete just handles it great yeah the wind and the rain we decided to hit was, a lightning bolt uh, yeah that was your idea Glenn to yeah. sort of say that the guy the, the we almost get trying you, to get him almost get you there and, and Pete plays the tragedy of this so effectively this we shot as a little pickup I think worked very effectively again was it coincidental or you know, the, 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 you, you, obviously with every death in the omen, you, you could surmise that, it, that they were all accidental. Good miniature work there. Yeah, it's all miniature. That was full scale, full the glass and whammo. And unbelievable, I mean. Pete did a Pete great job. I mean, that was four or five hours of prosthetic makeup to put all that glass but into his body. He had to do it twice, remember? They had to do back. twice, yeah. <laughs> Not only that, it's you know it's also freezing there, and you're adding rain oh, God, to, the, yeah. to the mix. I'm surprised very, like you say, very demanding physically. Again, one of the best uh, yeah. uh, sources of sound here. Kids going crazy on the thing, and when she calls for help, and uh, Liev comes in. Of course, it changes to we just simple little the ping little pong. Yeah. It's funny because I'd struggled with the scene so much to try and. How am I going to pull this off, that he's one thing in front of her and one thing, a different thing in front of Daddy? And Jay Wilkinson, our supervising sound editor, just solved it Com so yeah. simply. Completely. With sound work. fabulous. I love Mia in this scene. Yeah, she's, the, like she's so of, bitchy, yeah. really. In a, in, in Mommy's not feeling well. It's like, <laughs> screw you, the lady. Look back and, the look and back her, just says, yeah. You're, the clock's now running on, on Kathy. Yeah. And that, even that look from her, she just she doesn't want to feel so illy towards her son. Yeah, she feels bad at herself. And she just is. 
And it's so tragic to see a couple like going at each other now. They're truly, you know, their their relationships in the blender now. Absolutely. Just well, she's just taking though. she's taking out a lot of her frustration on him, and just not getting a lot back. What I hope is good use of the red shawl. Great work by George. Again, the vulnerability, the idea of the abortion and the red, and all, all hopefully effectively. Supposed to be crows in the scene, weren't they? Oh crows? yes, there were supposed <laughs> to be crows, but we got crows that wouldn't fly; they would only glide downwards. They couldn't fly upwards. They so. couldn't fly up or across. They would only fly down, so we ended up not using them. But at least we had the London Eye. Yeah, yeah. that was money well spent. <laughs> yeah. I actually very fond of that that desktop picture of, of Julie. I mm -hmm. think she looks great there. Happier times, huh? Again, you know, similar to Theolis, great performing when you're on your own. I have to tell you a story about this picture that's on the computer there. There were no there was no police vehicles or police tape in it. And our storyboard artist, Chris Rosewarn, created that and using Photoshop and it, it just made the picture look totally real. Exactly. Yeah. This is an interesting set. I remember Patrick, we were talking about this early on in production. We wanted to make a completely round set. I like the idea of a, of a, a psychiatrist's office or a psychologist's office having no corners, nowhere to hide. Mm -hmm. and you have to be completely exposed. It's, it's somewhat stylized, but I think it's very effective. I suppose that's why she doesn't like the idea of having another child. Terrific actor here, Richard Reese, proving that there are no small roles. Yeah. He's so damn good in this. He's so effective. You brought a fair number of actors in from London. Yeah. You know, but like one, them, they were uh, so good. Again, you know, the half a day, but, you know, it's make or break. Yeah. Yet again, great body language from Schreiber as he plays with his wedding ring and, and, and great sound. You know, one hand washes the other. It really is true. The actor gives you things and the sound team can use them because you, you can hear that wedding that ring wedding turning. Again, this was a huge input from Liev on the script here. Um, I think a very brave uh, idea. You know, do you believe in God? It's the quintessential question of the movie. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, Liev's playing it that this, this man, Robert Thorne, clearly an, in, an intellectual. He could argue that intellect is, 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 is the enemy of belief in a way. You know, it's, it's hard to just blindly believe something if... Your intellect is telling you otherwise. And that's what he's playing Robert Thorne as an intellect who won't believe all this stuff he's been told. And then you just see a crack there when he right. asks, do the you question. believe in God? Because he's asking a fellow intellectual. That's right. And Richard, of course, being the, the, the psychologist, kicks it right back right at him and says, him. well, my belief has nothing to do with this. So he doesn't get the answer. But just to have asked the question is a huge turn for Thorne's character. Yeah. This is a lot of fun here, Mia running uh, on, on full throttle here. So effective. She looks beautiful. She does look down. beautiful. She's a beautiful woman. Yeah. But there's, there's almost an inappropriate sexual tension in this <laughs> scene, which is so taboo. And, yes. But I think uh, she's certainly running with the ball here. But it's just fabulous. To her. I mean, she literally is telling you everything that's going to happen with that yeah. look right there. Yeah. There that it is. That break, the smile. 
and then we're off. Yeah. Great uh, camera rigging work here by our key uh, key grip, uh, uh, John Murphy, because obviously we had to rig the scooter to the camera occasionally. How many days did we take to shoot the sequence? This was three, three I think, right? at least, yeah. yeah. Uh, again, that's great rigging work. To be able to track along like that, it actually requires a very complex system of rigging. And similarly there, to attach the scooter to the camera. Echoes of The Shining here, I think, a little bit. Yeah. Um, Another great set. actually, to the power of your actors, uh, all of them really had no problem doing a lot of some of the more dangerous things on the yeah. set. Yeah, I mean, um, this, this wasn't easy. I mean, this is Julia a does 99% of the work here. This little rattling chandelier yeah. shot is so effective. It's, and again, it's funny, <laughs> yeah. we stole that on, lunch, on a lunch break. I shot that, literally got the focus puller to bang the wall. Did you? Because, yeah. you know, as, Sound Danny, here. it's yeah, incredible. incredible work. Incredible. Just, the, the, you can literally hear people pin drop yep. as that the thing is falling away. And this is all Julia. This is all Julia. This is all Julia. Amazing. Three stories up. I mean, no matter how how much you tell yourself it's safe and there are systems, you know, these are professional stunt people who rig it. But it's still scary when and you look down. Phone. No, yeah. that's her falling and hitting and the ground. Hitting the floor. It's unbelievable. She did a great job. Yeah. We had the camera mounted on a Libra head in, in front of her so it would stay equidistant to her. So again and again, that's added f fear to have a 120 pound camera mounted, you know, six feet away from you on a wire. It was incredible to watch. What, what you want to talk a little bit about her wardrobe, both there and general? The idea. Well, yeah, the the idea of the, the the white shawl when she falls was, you know, the, to 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 echo the idea of a fallen angel, and George came up with the 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 wonderful shawl because the other thing about it is it would flow as right. it was falling, it would mm -hmm. flutter, and so you could really feel the. Uh, the, the vertigo, the sensation of falling. When people talk about the original and the remake, you know, I love actually talking about the tube falls thing. In its yeah. day, it would, Dick Donner did it very simply but beautifully. Oh, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it's, a, it's a legendary shot. Yeah. And, and when you hear about how it's done, like you say, it's so simple. They just moved her towards the wall, and, you know, instead of dropping her. And um, the way you did it, it's just so, you know, different of its day but so interesting because the technology that you use with yeah, different cameras and exactly. heads and cranes it's it's like a study in film yeah it is it's a progression out. to study that shot and study the the redo of it is actually a, an interesting look at advances in technology and film technology great i just want to mention the score here great work by marco beltrami here he's using a vibraphone and, a, and i think it's a triangle and big low-end stuff as well, which is great because the, what he's saying here is the house is now a place to fear. Mm -hmm. It's no longer your home, it's a place to fear. And what he's doing with the triangle work, I think, is he's suggesting that Thorne's mental condition now is very fragile. Mm -hmm. And that's what you hear when you hear that little triangle. It's This guy's now really on the edge of something. It was interesting that the last sequence when uh, Damien's on his scooter, you know, you see the transition from his wing of the house to the yes. other wing, which yeah. you know, the you know, the very red and the very white. Uh, my name's Keith Jennings. Who? It's one of my favorite sets. Just, 
it's just somewhere you want to live, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a God, fantasy yeah. with the dark room. And, although David Ever, the dry wit, did say to me on the day, he's like, why is there all this glass in my dark room? <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, oh, I don't know, David, looks good. <laughs> We're going to go with that answer for now. And he's like, yeah, OK, fair enough. <laughs> Look, here, here, look, see? I love starting the scene where he actually is looking at this picture, but you don't see that part of it mm. until later. It really is just another step in him just saying, what happened to my family? Yeah, at yeah, he's point. kind of, yeah, yeah exactly. He's, he's looking back at it. Happier this, days. This scene and the following scene in Brennan's apartment, I mean, it's really one big scene as 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 Liev's character takes this yeah. big transition yeah. into like this might all really be true it's all about the acting here and i i decided photographically just to be very simple with the camera this is all about what's happening within the frame you don't you know sometimes you'll push a camera in or move it around to suggest something but these guys are now so effectively telling you the story that the the, the thing to do here is not to get in their way right only much, much more pronounced on this one, actually. It's the beginning of our detective story, too. It's really Yeah, exactly. It's when the, the meat it gets very, very yeah, meaty Yeah, you start here. to get a lot of the clues and, and of what's going on, and then they just start to follow them up. And, uh... and again, you know, this is uh, tough to say. You know, this is 10, 12 pages of dialogue. It just, it's testimony to how good these guys are, that you, you, you stay riveted. Yeah. Throughout. Throughout the whole time. It is, because it's just a lot of information coming up. Like yeah, it's said, essential that you get it. Yeah, and like you said, just without the push-ins and stuff, just letting the actor sort of take the ball mm -hmm. um, and run with it this time it was great. He was dying. Yeah, apparently, he said he wanted to be forgiven by Christ. David's performance, he's, he's sort of on edge and doesn't seem yes, like he's, he's completely... Yes, he's becoming animated. Yeah. Just a little, because he's, like I said, he's the cynic who's been forced to believe the evidence in front of him. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, he's trying not to scare off Thorne. He's yeah. trying not to be too, because that's what Brendan did. Brendan freaked him out and he said, you know what, I'm out of here, enough. So David's approaching it like, I'm, I'm a scientist, I'm showing you evidence. Mm -hmm. A tattoo. Yeah. You know, just seen the 666, John, I know that you're currently pregnant, as am I. Uh, I definitely will be shaving my son's head or yeah, daughter's head, whatever definitely. I have, to make sure that the minute no it pops there. out, man. <laughs> I don't know about you, but this was smart. I, I, I never knew that Danny, that when you first did this cut here, because this is a piece from the car chase at the end of the movie. Yes, but this to the great. torch just works so well. Yeah, great transition. Boom. Yeah, that's really nice. And then obviously the sound effects really help that change. Yeah. I nearly lost an eye on this on yeah. this location that night. We were there was a lot of atmosphere, smoke and atmosphere, and we had masks with metal parts. And that's the basement of a it, it, yeah. building. Yeah. It snapped and took out my left eye. I really thought I'd lost the eye. Oh, it was like Curse of the Omen strikes again. Probably the best set. Yep. In the movie, certainly the best set art directed. Yeah. Patty I mean that's and painstaking. And, um, Patrick. And definitely some of the Look best Look at that, thousands and thousands of pages. This is fun. I wanted to put the whole train here. I mean, Patrick had, had Patrick Lummer, production designer, had said to me, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could get Brennan underground? 
you know, the, the, the notion that he's in hell. Mm-hmm. So that's why we said it subterraneally. And the, the train sells that for you. Absolutely. You know? And it also adds to the purgatory of the place. It, it, the man's putting himself through agony. Living, can you imagine living in a place like this? So he's, he's almost trying to redeem himself through self-punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so crucifixes. Do you remember seeing these dailies? How excited we were! God, yeah. Because just seeing the dailies was like seeing a movie. Yeah, film. it was like seeing a movie. Something out, wasn't it? This is also one of the pivotal scenes in the original movie, because a lot of it comes together, and it's David's reason for continuing on when you realize that you know he's sort of next with the realization that he's next. Well, so I think what's very admirable about Tulis's performance here, I'll talk about Leo's in a moment. Tulis knows where this is going. He knows that the character knows how this ends. It's mm-hmm. all about the photograph at the end. Exactly. Yet, like, he has to patiently hold his nerve and take Thorn. And, like, I love this touch with the cigarette. That's, you know, he's trying to help himself calm down. Mm-hmm. He has to, ha- Thorn has to get it. But, like, I think it's a great performance because he's playing it that he knows there's something very, there's something very nasty at the end of this rainbow. Absolutely. Yeah. But he has to go through every single step. Again, Schreiber, brilliant body language. When he, the way he touches these pieces of evidence with, with such fear and, and, and disbelief. And then, of course, when he hears that the, the date... He literally, the, his legs go out from under him. There happens to be a chair there, but he literally plays it like like he's gone weak at the knee. That mm-hmm. he, look, like what I'm talking about here, he doesn't yeah, right look here. behind him, doesn't really care and know that there's a chair there. You'll see his shoulders haunch up as if he's going to throw up. Yeah, it's a really remarkable piece of acting. There, look, you see that, that, that swallow, the dry swallow. You can feel your mouth going dry as, as the horror of the, of the mm-hmm. story unfolds. Now, watch the way he just handles this piece of paper. This is actually, the, the guy is a master class. In, in, look, see? He, do, he doesn't need to hear anymore. Uh-uh. What he said, just by that little move of the paper, he said, I get it. I know. Yeah. I'm in. Now, I decided to, this was, a, I, I scared myself here by putting this train noise over. This line. The big line of the movie, but I, I enjoyed the idea that uh, real life gets in the way of some mm. of these dramatic moments. Absolutely. You know. Watch how he sort of he realizes it's his responsibility and kind of almost snaps out of it. Realizes what he has to do. David he's, also realizes that this is the this is the point. clincher. Yeah, he's got to get him now. Yeah, yeah. and he, the the fish nearly gets off the exactly. hook. Exactly. Now and I have to tell you what. Now I have to tell you the whole reason I brought you here is that I believe this and I believe I'm next. It was such a laugh actually taking... We took this photograph the morning we shot the scene and it was quite tricky to do. Because the set wasn't ready until then. Because the set wasn't ready. <laughs> and obviously it has to look like David's taking a picture and we have to take a picture of David taking a picture. It was, it was a bit of a <laughs> head scratcher. At six o'clock in the morning yeah. we're like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Vince Veludi, actually, our, our unit stills photographer, cracked it by just having David point slightly away. Let's go. Get your stuff. Vince had one of those strange set occurrences, you know, yeah. just in camera. He did. He had. He took pictures of the Brennan pictures, and there was a 
a lighting phenomenon that looked like a spear was going through it. Like after, he was genuinely shocked. He was. I mean, he, and after that, people were like, "Hey, Vin, don't please don't take my picture." <laughs> One of the better film bruises I've ever seen. Yes. On Julia, yeah. Fiona Conan, our makeup designer. Good work. This is a tragic scene because he ends up promising her that there's nothing to be afraid of. Right. It's so sad. When it's the, actually his last promise to her. Yeah, last time he'll ever see her, and that haunts him for the rest of the film, of course. Now, this was the Sunday after Black Saturday. Yeah, that's right. Which we'll come to later. Interestingly enough, to the right of frame, uh, about two blocks, was my cutting room in Prague. That's right, yeah. <laughs> that's the National Theater, right? Yep. Yeah. For students of the camera, interesting storytelling there by a simple focus pull to the street sign. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those beautifully simple techniques to to help tell your story. Apparently there was a terrible fire. The old hospital burned down. This guy is a character. We flew him in from Rome. Yeah, I, I mean, I really do think he is an Italian cab driver. Absolutely. <laughs> He's so authentic. Shayla did a very good job. Ruben, our casting director, yeah. with, you know, the nun and um, Giovanni. Beautiful, beautiful piece of photography here. This was a bit of fun, actually, yeah, this whole shot, this whole... Beautiful wet down. Yeah. Street. Yeah, the mirror and mirroring effect. Again, as written, this took place in the hospital, and I was quite frantic with the nun running around. And but I thought it'd be better to play her as if she had been traumatized by what had happened that night. And again, the, you know. People have asked me, well, who was in on it? Was, is the nun in on it? Is the monk in on it? Is there a whole conspiracy? And I think leaving that wide open is fun. Yeah. Because I also like the idea that, again, she's in, she's in some sort of penance here. Mm -hmm. She's trying to sell, you know, selling the crucifix. She's trying to peddle belief. And she's clearly traumatized and quite bitter yeah. by what happened that night. When he says there was a priest, she spits out the name Spiletto. Subiaco. I go back and forth when I watch her, because <laughs> it's like, she's in on it, or no, yeah, she's not, not in on yeah. it, I don't know. But the, the, the look at the end actually mirrors the look that Father Spilletto will give at the end of the sequence. I love this scene. I'm just so, I think it's just so beautifully, and I credit to Jonathan Sella, it's, it's, it's beautifully shot. Yeah, it really is. Just the look of it, the, the feel of it, it's amazing. And it was, that was the coldest day of our shoot, I think. Oh, God, it was, yeah. <laughs> and that, uh, the lady serving the coffee there was actually our uh, Italian translator. Mm -hmm. We thought it'd be fun to give her a little part. David wastes, wastes no time just to keep, Straight keep, in. The, keep the story well, going. David said to me on the day, David's, David's got a big brain. The script was slightly inaccurate in terms of referencing the books and chapters the in the Bible. Bible. Yeah. And David, of course, read the Bible and came up to me on the day and said, you know, a lot of this is from the book of Daniel. So he changed the script on the day to make, and again, it plays wonderfully to, to his character of the journalist, photographer, mm -hmm. you know, researching it. Good changes. Empire ...which signify the birth of the Antichrist. As we know, the Jews have returned to Zion. We've seen evidence. And there's a wonderful little ad lib 
towards the end of the sequence where David says, bear with me. Yeah. I just love it. It's, it's, it's dialogue that becomes, that comes off the page and into somebody's mouth. Exactly. Sounds real. Marco did a really nice job with this this whole stretch up yeah. to the cemetery because there is a lot of it is a, the meaty part of the detective story. Yes. There's a lot of dialogue and details and, and he just winds the the music just snakes it through. Exactly. Love this two shot too. It really gives you everything you need in yeah, the frame. Yeah, when you first this hasn't changed really since no. you first cut it. it. It was great because I I wanted to keep it with them because it's not really someone. I mean, they both are, are contributing to the scene. So much, it's yeah, so nice want, to see them together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, and also their their relationship is forming. You know, they're exactly. they're, they're they're in the shit together. Exactly. Mm. This was the very last day of shooting these aerial shots. I remember I'd been on up for uh, three three days and three nights. We did a night shoot, day shoot, night shoot, day shoot, and then had to do this helicopter work. And by the time I was just slightly spaced, wasn't wasn't <laughs> sure I needed a helicopter to go flying. <laughs> if you know what I mean. This is our stunt coordinator, Pavel Seisel, who's rowing the boat here. He did God a great job him. with this film. Again, this, the, this uh, was the last day, this aerial. Yeah, he, did, he does a terrific job. He did all the, the you know, precision chase at the end of the movie and then had to go and <laughs> row the boat, so he didn't get much sleep either. That white shot, or that the fog was a lot of that was Matt, right? That was all. That was, was all, all CG, yeah. All Matt CG, Johnson, Matt Johnson, yeah. Suicide London. It's one of my favorite scenes as well. Mm -hmm. I, I love David. Just his presence there. His switching of his eye line. He plays the cold. It's just uncomfortable being there. Yeah. This was a piece of work, I tell you. This prosthetic took four and a half, five hours. And uh, Giovanni, the actor, was quite uncomfortable, it has to be said. And, and, and all credit to him for, for staying with it. It's very claustrophobic to, put on, to have to put on an entire I head and face piece. Didn't he start at 2 or 3 in the yeah. morning to be ready for 6 o'clock? He, he does such a wonderful job here. I mean, he's, he's got one eye to communicate with. with. Yeah. And he does it so brilliantly. Look, look, he just... There's a mixture of hate, anger, regret. It's all mixed in there. Yeah. Something truly wonderful happens at the end of the scene, which, which wasn't planned, and I think it's, it's testimony to, to Marco Beltrami's score, but we'll talk about it as it happens. It's a beautiful location. I don't remember the name of the town, but it was... Yeah, I can't either. I'm blanking there. It was, uh, but that is actually inside that big island on, on the rock that you see on, in the aerial shot. That, that is part of that monastery. Now, the bells here that hit, uh, remember we wanted to do a sequence of six bell rings. That's right. And, uh, and again, credit to Jay. He found a very... It's an out-of-tune bell. Way out-of-tune. And It so. sounds ancient. And right here, we... There's a pause, actually. We, we break the cadence for that hand movement because we thought what would be the fifth chime would land right on that hand movement, which was a little, was a little too much. It was much. Too, uh, too much uh, young Frankenstein. But it actually, ended <laughs> up, it actually ended up giving you this weird kind of like, okay, wait a minute. There was four, and then there was a sp and then there's two yeah, more. It, like it was intentional that yeah. they wanted to do six. 
Okay. You have to tell the story of the first hand model. Uh, yeah, we, we cast for the close work on the hand. We cast, you know, we, we got an old lady because in the story his hand is withered, as you see there. And unfortunately she passed away oh. before we could film her. And there were, there were many rumors about the curse of the omen that yeah. day. And there was an ongoing thing. The publicity department was eager for those yes. kinds of things so that we could just issue a press release. Yeah, which was, it's funny for them, but not funny for yeah, us when for it was us. happening. You know, when we would have bad luck. Sure, it sounds like a great PR story, but it's not a lot of fun when it's happening to you. Where is it? Now, what I was talking about uh, towards the, the end here, obviously to, in this scene, uh, Father Spoleto has come clean. He's confessed the location, perhaps in an attempt to, to redeem himself from hell. But because of Beltrami's score just here, now that look, I started to realize, wait a minute, he set them up. Mm-hmm. He set them up, and that's that. I that had never occurred to me until uh, I heard what Marco had done. Right. This was the toughest couple of nights filming I'll ever endure. I think the shot the actors showed up, and they weren't supposed to work for two hours, but we yeah. were losing light, and they just, we just decided to run for it. And good guys. They I think just they'd been there for ten minutes, and yeah. we got that shot. And we grabbed, we stole it. This is a terrific location, terrific. The story of this is quite freaky, actually. We went forwards and backwards on whether or not to build this as a set. And Patrick had built a clay model of this location. And one of the PAs in, in Prague uh, came into his office and glanced at the model and said, oh, I know where that is, yeah. And Patrick said, no, 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 you don't understand. It's a, it's a, it's a set where it's a, I've just designed it. We're going to build it. And, he said, and the guy's like, no, I, I know where that is. And it was literally like something from all the president's men. You know, we cleared the table and got a map and said, show us, show us where this is. Right. And then we scrambled down there and there it was. Yeah. It looked exactly like the model Patrick had built. Again, for the people that have the, the great home theater systems, yeah, one of the best examples close. of the sound in this movie is this scene, the atmospheric background, mm -hmm. all the footsteps, everything, the music, the way it ties in directly to just the eeriness of all the sound that's going on. It really, yeah, it really is one you want to yeah. crank up and have a good listen to. Tough scene, tough scene to do. All fake snow. Very cold at night. Yeah, all fake snow. Very cold. We had dogs to deal with. I had the flu. Wasn't fun. How about those lights called? We had enormous. Uh... Oh, well, these are lit by balloon lights, yeah, yeah helium too. balloons that are suspended just out of frame there, and uh, they give a great even moonlight feel. I remember these two graves weren't even there. We had to dig them. <laughs> That's right. They wouldn't let us dig a hole in the ground. <laughs> That's the only drawback with this location. We got to the cemetery, and they're like, oh, no, you can't dig a hole in the ground. It's a cemetery. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Well, that and it was, there was a moat around it, right? There wasn't there. Uh, yeah, it's an moat. ancient fort. Yeah. We had to build. A, we had to construct our own bridge to get uh, crew and equipment in there. It was quite quite painstaking. We put in all the headstones, right? It yeah, yeah. Fair. There's nothing. All that's fake. But if that's her, then who's the child? And that I'm. Tough scene. Great scene. Great work by Liev. Later on, when he. He realizes his son's been murdered because that's part of that's what's so tragic about this part of the movie is that he only gets it now that not only has his child been switched, 
but that they murdered his child. Yeah. When they didn't really have to. No. No. It makes you very sympathetic towards Thorn. It's coming. I love this great acting heavy, acting heavy stone, <laughs> acting heavy stone. When of course the thing's made out of like polyester, yeah, exactly. about three pounds, you know. <sighs> act heavy, act heavy. <laughs> this is my favorite shot, I think, in the whole, and my favorite piece of acting from David. Just this coming up here when he goes. Oh, what the fuck is this? It's like <laughs> we're into a whole other whole mess new, now. Exactly. It's just, it's... Talk about kicking it up a notch. The tension that you created in this sequence is great because it ebbs and flows. Yeah. You know? Let's see, this, this whole scene was pretty tough because there are two hugely different... Emotional peaks, right? Emotional yeah. Peaks. You have this really sort of dramatic scene where he finds out that his son was murdered, and you feel so badly for him, and then the dog attacks, and you're you're in a complete action-driven second half. Talk about a gear change, yeah. And it happens in literally zero seconds. Yeah. This gets a big reaction from women. They really feel like. I think, yeah. Even when we brought that baby skeleton. On set, it was quite it's quite upsetting. It's yeah, upset. it's it is very upsetting. upsetting. It's an upsetting image. And they killed him. The first time I saw this, and I, you would think I would know, I dropped my cup of coffee. And <laughs> <laughs> the first time Danny showed me this cut here with the dog jumping on Liev. This was so much fun to cut. I just had such a great time. It wasn't fun to shoot. <laughs> All credit to Liev and David here. 99% of what you're seeing here is them doing their own stunt work. Although David, I'm sure, if you're listening to this, I must apologise once again. In this scene here, this sequence here, just here, as David's acting like the dog's attacking him, I, th I thought I would help by barking at him. <laughs> and how he kept a straight face, I don't never I don't know what got into me. And he's like, what are you doing, John? You are just a passionate I just lost it. I started to bark at him. And, and it was pathetic and hilarious. I don't know how he kept a straight face. I love this shot. I love <gasps> this score here. Feels like yeah. an old-fashioned movie. Yep. And it's like up and away. And then, oh, no, you're not. Again, this is all Liev. This, yeah, this, this is great. With this arm bite here. Arm he actually cracked a rib because the dog pulled at him with such force. And as I can tell you, because I've just done the same last night, it's not fun to crack a rib. It's an amazing scene. I, I, really I was terrified in this because I was manning one of the cameras. We had three or four cameras on it. And just before they let that dog go, I just thought, well, okay, so he goes for Liev, and then what if he gets bored of going for exactly. Liev? And he turns around on us. Oh, I just gave her her nighttime meds. She's barely awake. This scene, remember, uh, we showed up on the set, and we had a phone call from the oh, studio yeah. that, 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 that they wanted Damien in the scene, and he hadn't, hadn't even started acting yet. That's right. This, this was his very first scene of the whole movie. And, and credit, to, credit to him, I think, I think it was Tom Rothman's idea, the head of the studio. And we were in a bit of a panic. We work. Like, we well, get what do you wardrobe? mean he needs to be in the scene? He's not scripted to work. It's a really good idea because I think uh, the way it plays out. It... And talk about lastminute.com. This, this shot 
And this shot was shot six months apart. (laughs) Because we did a pickup on the guard. We thought, well, look, if the guard's not going to hear the commotion in the room, let's really sell it that he's under Damien's spell. It was one of the more effective pickups we've ever done. Mia's just... This was her first day. That's right. I think she's created an instant mini classic in this scene. Mm-hmm. I think people will, will will goof around and refer to this. Because we've done so many takes with the syringe that when she, the, the take you have in the film, it's like she is an old pro. Yeah, she exactly. She knows exactly how to handle it. <laughs> it's not her first barbecue. Yeah. This, I think, was one of their first scenes. That it was their together. first scene together, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we, oh, he's just such a great actor. He was saying he was a little bit nervous about working, about with, working David. with David. Yeah. And it was, it's it's it was incredible. Fun. You know, there's an old f- phrase in Ireland, a rising tide lifts all boats. It's as it, it, the better the better everyone is, the better everyone gets. Absolutely. But it was we knew straight away, like five minutes in with these two guys, that they were a great team. An unlikely screen partnership. Mm-hmm. But uh, you really feel that you you like those guys. Yeah. Great uh, close work here. So here's that pickup that we were did. These guys were never later. in the same room together. Never in the same room. Worked out well. Really makes you believe that that while this is going on, needles Amy, don't bother me. That scene. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> no. Needles yeah, don't bother me. But that, that shot does. bothers me. <laughs> that shot bothers me too. Again. All te- all credit to, to Jay and the sound work. The sound of that just the, the piercing the rubber down. and the bubble coming down. It's the, my first the first time my wife good. Joan saw this this scene. She actually physically had a nauseous reaction to it because she thought she had witnessed a murder. Yeah. Julia does such a great job. Oh God, it's just so terrifying. I mean, it's it's like that nightmare, you know, that people imagine when they're having surgery that they won't be properly anesthetized. Exactly. And they'll be awake during it. Look at the the wide-eyed look she gives there. It's terrific. And your heart just breaks. I I lost it on the set that day. I couldn't. I was crying when she when she finally expired, and so were a lot of people. I remember looking over at Simon First, our boom swinger, and. Uh, so it was certainly a little smoky. Is it smoky in here? Or is it just yeah, me? Because exactly. you, you just feel so bad for Dana, you must have had fun cutting this. I know when we sh- John shot, you shot it from every angle. And yeah. We had an incredible Yeah, we had, we had a great, you, you know, it was covered so well. Problem, the, the thing I love about it is that all the shots of Mia, most of them are out of focus there, but you still see her expression on the face. Mm-hmm. And it gives you that really false sense of, security of knowing that she's just calmly holding their hand over her mouth and killing this woman but you're focused on all the terror that the woman's going through mm. it, it, phenomenal I love that I know she's all done at the end it's a nice little yeah. time all done it's great Mia becomes the person you love to hate in the movie well, as you said she's she's not a victim in this one no uh-uh. <laughs> are you with Kate one of the things this was this, this was fun here. This, we decided to do this all as one shot. Um, yeah, it does a great job. Talk about not overacting. And not hear the conversation. Yeah. That was a, just... a, a great touch that I thought really worked well in this particular instance. Everybody knows what happened. You yeah. don't need to hear it again. Yeah. Which makes this shot more powerful. Although if you listen very carefully, you can, you can hear just Reggie barely Austin. Hear Reggie. <laughs> when he pulls the phone away. 
I think this is terrific. Again, how do you react? How do you react to news like this? He could have played it so differently. He could have rampaged, you know, ripped up the room. This is his soul leaving his body. This is his mind leaving his body. Yeah. From here on in, he has truly lost his mind. Again, one of the, what I hope are quite effective dream sequences. I love the transition from, both from a sound standpoint. Yeah. From through this whole sequence, how, you know, it's so quiet, and then the last lines, and then where we end up. It's great. You get, you get lulled into a sort of false sense of security yeah, it's about the, the whole of the scene, rain and, the... and you just get kind of calmed for a second there, and then the dream sequence is happening, you, and he wakes up. and you I, just... it, it makes me feel sorry for Thorne. It it's like there's no refuge for yeah. him. Yeah. He, he can't even close his eyes without this. That's what I mean. He's crossed over. Yep. No wonder you've been staying away. I found out about the town. I wanted to do as much of this as possible in one shot, just to, to sort of sell the notion that he's on this downward spiral. And ultimately, it suggests that what David's saying isn't really that important to Thorne. Mm -hmm. He's just trapped in this moment now. It's like he has to get the business out of the way, and he's so traumatised, it's like, by the way, uh, Cathy's dead, so all of this is real. I love this shot that we stay with it this long. Yeah. Because it's great, because it's all about Liev. When the Jews return to Zion... You know, credit to also to David Seltzer again. Because yeah. So, you know, you, you said a couple times we treated his text like Shakespeare. It's like mm -hmm. your interpretation. And, and This know. is certainly a soliloquy moment for yeah. sure. Yeah. Rises, creating armies on either shore. I just, my, I think Schreiber just does a great job here of breaking your heart. He's, it's as if he's recalling some happier moment in his life, you know, mm -hmm. before all this happened. Kate's dead. There's almost an ironic smile when he says Kathy's dead. It's not. It's, it's as if you warned me, you told me, Brendan told me. I didn't listen. Right. This is guilt. Yep. He's playing guilt. Let me say this, I want Damien did too. It's almost even, soft. It's even, almost yeah, apologetic. It's almost... It's, there's it, no it, hate in it. No, it's totally apologetic. And even Thulis reacts that way. He yeah. reacts as if it is apologetic. Like... Yeah, we're sorry that we have to do what this. What we have to do this. We have to do this. This was shot in uh, southern Italy in the town of Matera, famous for having shot some of the Passion of the Christ there, ironically enough. You got a religious theme movie? Come to Matera. Exactly, the nativity style. The nativity shooting there as well. I love I, the I visual style of this section, John. Yeah, it's, it's a different, it's a gear change for sure. I wanted to sort of go all handheld and sort of, you know, we're in Israel now, you know, it's like. We ain't screwing around. Yeah, yeah exactly. <clears throat> you feel it too. It's it's very. And it's the world we live in now, it right? Is. You, get, you get a reminder that that it's kind of like this. And I wanted that sort of omnipresent sense of force. Your travel and leisure shot is coming up. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. There, there it is. is. Put it there. Yeah, my old <laughs> old days as commercial director springing back there. Tomatoes. I need three red tomatoes. <laughs> This shot here. Caves of Matera, right? And this shot just Sweet. coming up now. We're shot hundreds of miles and several months apart. Sort of 
Great Magi- magical film editing, right? Yeah. This is one of Jonathan Sato's finer moments, his art director of photography. He just had a ball here with the whole uh, smoky shaft of light. And the great, ladies and gentlemen, the legendary Michael Gambon. He's great. Came in for one day and just knocked it out of the park. Yes. Again, testimony, there are no small roles. To be able to attract an actor of, of, of the caliber of the cast we got here at I don't know. God was smiling on us. I mean, it's just you just have to approach this with great actors because you just sell the believability yeah. of what's happening. Yep. That sunset was stolen on a frosty Prague morning. Exactly. It just it makes me smile sometimes. I think you, the things you end up using. Mm-hmm. The blood must be spilled on the altar of God. Each night. Interesting thing here is you think these knives would be plastic. Do you know these are all real? Designed by uh, one of my storyboard artists, Chris Rosewarn. Beautiful, beautiful work. You can see that they look like something you want to hold. Yeah. They're very tactile. They have a heft. Yeah, exactly. Subsequent knives extinguish spiritual life. Beautifully lit. Every time I look at the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly some of Jonathan's finest work. Gambon plays it so... Passionate. Up and down and yeah. crazy and logical and This is Leah's last scene of of doubt. Yeah, this is where he just cracks and it and it's partly I think as a repulsion to Gambon's character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because this man is such a zealot and like most zealots he's sort of like a coward. He wants somebody else to to do it. He can't face leaving his drunken lair. Yeah. And Liev plays that sort of revulsion. I know every inch of his body. I remember saying to Liev on the night, just one note, I said, maybe the character would be disappointed to realise that Damien doesn't have the sexes because if, if he said, if he realised that he had the sexes, it would all make some sort of sick, twisted logic. Mm-hmm. So he's, he almost plays it like he's disappointed that the kid doesn't have it. Right. This little yep, like the, yeah, committed. like the not again. That yeah. zealot, that coward. Go on, Johnny, you jump over the wall and steal the apples. I'll stay here. Exactly. And again, great body language from Shriver. This just oh, David fantastic. has great body language too when he yeah. grabs the knives in the. Well, bag. there's a great look between him and Gambon just here. Look, there it is. It's like, well, what about you then? <laughs> and David's like, David just goes cold. Yep, I'm gonna get it done. I'm next. Stop! These are the streets of Matera, standing in for, for Jerusalem or Megiddo. This handheld works, I think, really well. Yeah, it, 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 it into their psychology. Exactly. It's mm-hmm. all. It's 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 becoming all. It's all unhinged and crazy. And what happens in the next few moments, uh, you know, will decide everything. So that's that's kind of why I wanted to go handheld here. What if I'm next? I love that performance by David. He's almost angry at the yeah. fact that Thorne's walking away from all this. Because he's still Well, I think, I think what David's playing here is the hypocrisy sickens him because he's gone so far in proving his case. Mm-hmm. And for Thorne to, to throw it all away now in, in a speech, really, about life and death, the, 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 the Jennings characters repulsed by it. 
And it's it's actually again it's 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 very it really is very good acting because these guys these two characters have become very close and in a moment of pressure the friendship fails yeah, right. completely. Yeah. The transition from that previous scene to where we are now. This yeah, was this the, is a set piece now. The, the, this set was custom built on the Berendorf backlot in Prague for this sequence. It's actually snowing all the time we were filming this. You can just see f tiny little flakes occasionally, and we had to use blow heaters to keep the snow out of the air. And whammo, there it is. The Take signature the moment. I think what ad adds nicely to it, I mean, we did it the old-fashioned way. We used dummy heads and things, but... What really helps, I think, is that body falling at the end. Yeah, that stunt man, when we were shooting it, I went, how do you train yourself to roll backwards? To fall backwards, backwards yeah. And he was wearing a full green screen balaclava, so he, he couldn't even see anything. One of the things this movie also does, which is really great, is the transitional lighting between scenes. Mm. Sometimes you're really bright and sometimes you're really dark. It really helps you get in the mood very quickly of the characters. Yeah. It also is kind of creepy sometimes. Uh, and Patrick did a, his team did a nice job with the set, but when we were trying to look for ways to lower the budget, it was like, yeah. could you make your private jet a little bit smaller? Just a little bit smaller. <laughs> Do a G4 and be like a G200, please. Yeah. A lot of fun with this uh, next piece, obviously, the creeping through the house. That dog gargoyle was the original part of the house. Yeah. You know, it's something you could almost cut. Well, it looks like something that you would design, but uh, it's all real. Again, the little flash of red there, the tomatoes. It's a lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch with an audience. Yeah, yeah. it's classic horror movie stuff. The sound. This is pretty heavily sound driven, not a lot of music here obviously until the action hits, but it really sucks you into when you're creeping around a house, I know everybody's done it, and yeah. you step on that one piece of wood yeah. that yeah. just gives you away. I love the pass by of the Me cleaver. cleaver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's real MacGuffin territory here, you know, yeah. he, he catches the glass, but then he's forgotten about the door. A little tremble in the hand, fantastic work. First take he got that. Yeah, he got <laughs> every time. Bam. Bam. Good stuff. Remember being able to hear the thumps again in the theater, the thumps of the dog yeah. above him. Yeah, you really feel like coming it. down. This was a strange little sequence. I wasn't sure it was gonna work, but people seemed to like it. Yeah. yeah Three times in the movie, people applauded, right? Yeah, after. they like to see the dog get his come up. That this. happens. Yeah, that stunt was very difficult to do. It was a, a never really quite got it right. Sinus, uh, I thankfully helped us out there a little yeah. bit. Well, the dog just became wise to what we're trying to do and yeah. <laughs> didn't want to cooperate. So this is a dark moment in the making of the movie. Do you want to talk about yeah, it? Yeah, this is this is what I referred to as the, the the Black Saturday. We we actually took two days to film this entire sequence. Uh, all the way through him cutting the hair and fighting with Baylock. And it turned out that all the film was destroyed in the laboratory, which is very unusual. Uh, you know, you might... Uh, it actually never happens. Yeah, yeah, you might get a scratch on a shot. Maybe if you're very unlucky, you'll have a roll that's damaged. But rarely these days, 
you can you not repair it you know usually you can paint out the f paint it out and fix it but we had every single shot destroyed over 13,000 feet of film yeah it was actually very depressing you know I said earlier cuts from uh, right after the uh, Jennings beheading from that point on this movie is pure cinema yeah which yes. is, is just fantastic <laughs> yep this is fun here when you think, oh, he's going to wake. It's just, I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of cheap yeah, tricks, but they work they so work, well. Do they work the sound. This was the last thing we shot, this close-up of the scissors of the scissors and the hair. Great thing about Again, this. Again, that's Mako's that's hand that you see in close-up. He's, he's very versatile. Yeah. yeah. Well, the great thing about this is he, the way the sound is where you actually cut the hair. Yeah, you hear every strand, every strand of blades cut, coming together. It's almost sickening feeling. Great musical work here by Bill Tramie. Schreiber again knocks it out of the park. Just a look. You can feel the nausea. You can feel the world coming out from under him. And there you go. Yeah. One of the great scares. This is actually Mia being slammed against there, the wall right Mia, there. Yeah. It is her. She's, She's a wild cat. <laughs> I just love the the image of the scissor and the floor it just works so 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 nicely. Wham! I, again, people they <laughs> applaud do, when they, they do. They really do. <laughs> they definitely, uh, as much as we all love Mia, no, that was an actual glass. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of a story to, to that. When Liam <laughs> kicked that open, um, we were looking around at the prop people to like reset it, and it's uh, that was actually antique, you know, 17th Age century glass. stained glass that he just booted through. <laughs> <laughs> we paid for. Well, yeah, we. <laughs> this was great fun. I thought Mia was. So, it was so funny. Mia was saying to me on the night, you know, oh, I don't know if I'll be able to muster up the energy to do this, and we had to pull her off at the end. We had to hose her down. To, yeah, like, I mean, to, she was to in calm a trance. She, yeah. she she attacked that. You were like cut, cut, because the wind machine was yeah, blowing. She, just, she couldn't hear you. <laughs> I thought she was running out there. Break and... through and kill you. Yeah. Oh. Bang! A lot of fun. That great stunt. Again, big reaction from crowds. They yeah. they like to see her dead. There go my <laughs> rubbery wooden wooden gates. Wooden gates. I was actually worried because the those gates are not metal, although we play them as metal. I was waiting for them to splinter open when they car crash through it. Yeah. This chase was a lot of fun. Um, kind of went at it sort of very realistically, you know. It's almost ugly, you know. Yeah, the interesting thing about the even just the him getting trying to get away from Baylock, you know, um, a lot of car chases, you know, the guys are turned into expert drivers. Yeah, no, I, exactly. He just he just nearly loses. And he it. just and he just he bumps into poles and everything, and he just he can barely control the car, even through just a, a slide here. This was difficult because this this Lexus was actually too smart for the job. It has all these electronic managing situations. Uh, yeah, software. stabilizing. So it's hard to get it to do a, like a tail out or whatever. You notice that shot previous? There was a Praha sign in the background. That's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. This was kind of tough work, you know, because you oh, get the man. little guy and it's cold and wet. And the Ev actually on the interior Shame. of the church. Well, Lev's got a, this is after he's had the dog fight and he's actually got a broken rib here so it's a, it was incredibly painful but he he soldiered I don't yeah you see that I think that's real that pain was, yeah, I think that you're was. seeing right there 
Seamus was so good. I mean, yeah, every time great. he did exactly more than what was required. We were blessed. Yeah. We were blessed. I mean, he's, re he's, he's a terrific performer. Our father, who had never Now, interesting story. This was all Liev on the night. He said, look, why don't I say the Lord's Prayer? Because this wasn't scripted at all, and I think it's... I think it's genius. First couple of times we saw this, you actually get quite choked up. Yeah, yeah for sure. And I think it's because of that, him saying the prayer. Yeah. It's like a, it's a confession, of course, it's a begging for, and then that fatal hesitation. Bang. The one Best shot. piece of music in the whole movie. Uh, and there's interesting story to this. Marco had scored quite a big orchestral and choral piece for this. Peter That's Peter Riverka, associate <laughs> producer. Gets the fire lucky shot. Uh, but Marco had written a huge piece for this and we were scoring at Abbey Road and we, we laid one down and we just looked at each other and said it wasn't happening. So we sent the orchestra home, poured a couple of stiff drinks and Marco went into this huge recording room on his own with the Steinway piano and just played this live to picture and played it so hesitantly. And to me, it's it, it's an incredibly effective piece of music. It's very moving. It's, it's very moving, it really is. and and. And quite tragic and quite, um, you know, it plays, the opera of this ceremony plays beautifully against against such a simple piece of music. Exactly. Again, I, I love the fact, that, I mean, clearly you know what's happening, you don't need to hear anything. Yeah. yeah. Well, shot in Prague. Something also, after the... Uh the quiet of this of this section yeah. after the adrenaline of the chase yeah you need you need this, a, you yeah. need this to settle in and then we start bringing the sound back in here is a fantastic transition from music to sound of course there's been plenty of speculation as to the the character with the red scarf yes. <laughs> but we'll leave that up to an audience this is the very classic last shot of the original yeah. Uh, I think part of the real power and fear that, that was generated by this movie and both its incarnations was this shot. Yep. I mean, he's looking at you and he's smiling and he's coming to get you. Yep. Yeah. And the bad guys win. <laughs> there it is. And then Marco recreated the original chair. Yes, he, 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 he uh, tips his hat to Jerry Goldsmith here uh, quite effectively. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the, the movie. And uh, like we say, if you've got a decent system at home, crank it up and have a, have a listen to all that wonderful background sound work and sound design. I'd like to express my thanks to everyone involved, all the cast and crew, and see you on the next one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here, here.